Welcome to Good Show, the podcast helping you answer one of the most daunting questions in television. What am I watching next? I'm Brandon Sharp. And I'm Anthony Mako. And on this episode of Good Show, we are discussing The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. This period comedy drama follows Midge Maisel, an Upper West Side resident with a seemingly perfect life, who has her world turned upside down by her husband's infidelity. This revelation drives Midge to a mental break and the discovery of a talent she had no idea she possessed. The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel aired on Amazon Prime for the first time in March of 2017 and just wrapped up its fourth season with pre-production for season five already underway. It was created by Amy Sherman Palladino, who is also known for the American cult classic Gilmore Girls. So, Anthony... The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel has been around for a little while. Yeah. Can you remember back to when you started watching? Were you a first season guy when it aired or shortly thereafter? Yeah. So I, obviously I know this question is coming because we have this question on every episode and I was having yeah, yeah. a really hard time remembering when it was I started Mrs. Maisel. Um, part of that I think is because Amazon Prime is not my go-to streaming service and I often even forget the app as he is there. Um, I got a, I have a couple shows every once in a while. If I, if I have nothing, I can watch it all. I'll go like out of desperation, go look for a movie that might be on prime, but I just basically forget it's there. And so, um, I think the only reason I started Mrs. Maisel was I happened to be watching one of the only, on a rare occasion, I was watching something else on prime and they started promoing it. And, um, I also, uh, I, I think I remember that Mrs. Maisel early on was one of those first shows that bucked the trend of releasing whole seasons at a time. And they released maybe one or two episodes to start. So I just happened to be around at the right time to catch those first two episodes. And I got pretty hooked on the show pretty yeah. immediately. So that made me come, come crawling back to prime a lot more often. Gotcha. How about you? Yeah. Well, I'm just to comment on, I am an Amazon prime guy. Yeah. That's, that's um, interesting. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the shows that I follow on a regular basis or like year to year on are on Amazon prime. Um, I think maybe like there's a, you know, I only follow like a couple on Netflix and a couple on HBO, but Amazon Prime, I usually am consuming a lot of their content. So it's, it's definitely one that I keep track of, but that wasn't the case with Mrs. Maisel. I remember I had gotten a few recommendations. One of them, you know, you and I both listen to the West Wing weekly mm. podcast and mm -hmm. uh, Rishi's a fan because of Gilmore Girls. And on a side note, are you a Gilmore Girls guy? No, I've never seen any Gilmore Girls. Are you? Yeah. I, I mean, that's, yeah. that's fine. I, I don't I mean, think there's yeah. a, it's not a pejorative to I'm say. I'm not embarrassed. Yeah. Okay. That's, I, I didn't think so. No. I, I've never seen it. So I don't know if there's any, it's not like saying you love Twilight or something. Uh, I think it could be somewhere in the neighborhood okay. of that, but All right. for whatever reason, I'm not terribly embarrassed about it. I've got strong well, opinions about who Rory should have been with and who was uh, the best for Rory and. Well, that's why I gave you just enough rope to hang yourself. Right yeah, there. Like, yeah, that's I, I didn't want to do it because no, I mean, I've never it, seen it. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well, I won't have to hang myself because you don't have a strong opinion. So we don't have to there fight about it. Yeah, perfect. Okay. So sorry to interrupt with that, but I was no, just no, it's fine. I, I will say this show didn't grab me right away, which is shocking now being on this side of it because mm -hmm. I love it so much, but it didn't grab me right away. And keep in mind, when I say right away, I mean like, you know, 10 minutes, I'm hooked. That's, that's what I consider right away. Um, but actually, I started this show at least one time before I stuck with it. Mm. And I think ultimately, the end of the first episode is what hooks me. 
And I think I was trying, you know, I was thinking about that and I think it's by design. Um, It really feels like the show is a little like bland, like a mid-century, like a bewitched or Brady Bunch type Mm -hmm. show when you're watching it. Then these events start unfolding. And I mean, you know, her monologue at the end is ultimately what really grabs me. Yeah. But I, I really feel like that is like the goal of the creator was to yes. like really grab you at the end and hook, pull you into episode two. And yeah, I think I just hadn't really gotten into enough of the episode the other times to like to have myself pulled into episode two. Well, if I remember right, which I may not, but if I remember right, the pilot doesn't feel a ton like the show, what yeah. what the show becomes. And that's, ex- yeah, that's, that's my point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Cause I, cause I feel like, you know, and you know, we may get into this, but like they want to like map out this woman's life kind of before she gets into what she's getting into. I feel like this perfect picturesque life. And that's why I feel it has just, it like, feel like it just has this kind of like bland saccharine feel to it before like, you know, the, the walls come tumbling down so yeah and i don't know if this is how pilots still work i've heard people talking more about like traditional pilots but i have actually found that uh, especially in this age of people having podcasts about tv shows they'll talk about those sorts of things and i found it really informative and interesting to hear sort of the pilot process versus how the show develops after that and at least from what i feel like i've heard people pitch pilots and then later on learn what the show is like crazy. far down the road. Like That's here, crazy. here's my idea of five characters. We don't know anything about them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and then like you have to develop that later, but that's how it can often feel way different from the pilot because not only, not only that, but sometimes the pilot is eight months before you film anything else, Yes, you know? So yes. till you, I don't know if that's the case here, but it's just like, it's not that weird that a pilot is not, does not feel the same as the rest of the show. That's the case in a lot of things. And I feel like that's why you hear people say, well, the second season is my favorite. Yeah. Or oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, or the third, se- you know, cause I feel like a lot of times the showrunners are still figuring out the show and maybe the actors are still figuring out how to act, you know, that certain character, a lot yes. of things are happening there. I've heard that about the office parks and rec. A lot of the sitcoms. Yeah. I feel like have that thing happening to them. Quality wise, where would you put this show? I mean, yeah, I think it's in between a well, now, first of all, because it's period, I think it feels a little bit different than, yeah, uh, than it, it might. But I almost feel like it's a, I, I might say network drama E is somewhat cinematic in the premium drama era area, but I think because of how the look of it is a little fantastical, the sets are yep. almost like. You, the sets yep. are very clear that they're there. And I'm not even sure whether that's supposed to be because of the time period or not. And I think you bring up a really fascinating point about trying to mimic a show from the 50s or 60s a bit yep. with this show. And there, there's an element where the, the showrunner wants to show you the CD underbelly of what was going on behind this uh, facade on these shows or whatever. Right. Which is like a popular thing to do anyway right now, if you think about like yeah. Lucy and stuff like that. But so because of that, I wonder if they're sort of leaning into the sets a bit and, and bringing them out and making it more clear that they're there um, so mm-hmm. that you remind you remember what you're watching. I, I'm curious what your opinion is on this, but I find it a little bit hard to rank. Obviously, it's not a sitcom. I get maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, I will say one theme that like every like with each area that we're going to be talking about tonight, I kept coming back to rose colored glasses. Yes. Like that was that was kind of the thread that's going to run through 
all of my comments, I feel like, is just the saccharine or like sugar coated feel that a lot of different elements have. And I think you know, just take just take the wardrobes for a minute. I mean, really, really, really done up, Always, like just extra over the top. And I agree. Like I was thinking there's a couple scenes uh, from this most recent season that are like on streets in New York. Yeah. But they looked like they were shot in 1950. And I was like, man, yeah, that's crazy. How'd they do that? Uh, did they build the set or did they just somehow block off the streets and alter things enough? I don't know. Like, um, I think it's done really well, though. I think this is a very high quality show. But yeah, there is definitely like a saccharine feel to it. I don't even know if like a fakeness. It has like a yeah, like a fakeness to it. Uh, yeah, almost uh, like a little. <laughs> this is extreme, but almost like a little Twilight Zoney. Like you're yeah. you're watching a time period that you know you're not in, but also yeah. like, but it's not like rewatching Wonder Years. It's a little more like you're in an alternate universe, uh, mm-hmm. kind of kind of observing it. And it the the show has that feeling, and I think it's on purpose. It's, it's sure trying, it is, yeah. and and you definitely settle into it. Yes, like it become you become part of that. So there are times when it feels a little more like that than others, but I will say it's something you're able to settle into pretty quickly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's actually similar to the um, time travel back in back to the future. It's, it mm-hmm. reminds me oh. of how, how the past back to the future looks. Yeah. That's a weird sentence, but that, and I know, <laughs> and I know you haven't seen this, but show on Disney plus WandaVision actually plays around with oh, this a yeah. lot. Interesting. They, bounce through the different eras and like each episode like one episodes from the i think 50s one episodes from the 60s Mm. the 70s and like it kind of keeps working towards the future um it's funny that you were describing it the way you were because it sounded like that's what you were referencing but i know you haven't seen it so well my heartbreak with the avengers is a whole different topic which has made me not (laughs) want to come back to some of the stuff that's going on i just can't handle the heartbreak anymore oh I think we need to dig into that a little bit. We can dig into it, but I just would be afraid I'd spoil something. Well, this show has, in my opinion, fantastic characters. Mm, I think it is absolutely character driven. Oh, yeah. Who stands out to you? I really think Rachel Rachel Brosnahan is amazing. Yes, she uh, is. The yeah. and it's funny because I almost view her like she could be very much be that way, sort of. But she's such a unique character on the show that it it's just like unbelievable acting. The energy, the the positivity, the 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 stick-to-itiveness, like all these things that she's demonstrating, I think are great. Is the Alex Borstein? Is that Susie? <laughs> Susie, yeah, she's yep. incredible too. She sort of so good disappears into that character, um, and just uh, you would never. I one time I looked up a picture of her and I couldn't believe that was who that <laughs> right? was. And it's it's crazy. Uh, you know, she does the the voice of Lois from Family Guy. Also, yes, I did know that. Yeah. Now l- let me stop you right there because I feel like those two they make quite an interesting pair. Yeah. I think there's something about the contrast of like how um i don't know how else to put this but how like done up and well like put together midge mazel is yes and then we we see like scenes of Susie walking around in like men's underwear yeah. and it's like night and day these two together i mean the way they talk yeah the way they present themselves how do you feel like that pairing 
shakes out? Is it, do you think it's like done really well or do you think it works? I think it wouldn't work in a lot of other shows because you, yeah. because the contrast is so glaring that you're like, yeah. this, this only works because you're making it work. Uh, like yeah. th- there's no, there's no reason these two people would fit together for any long period of time. Um, I do think I like the symbolism of them fitting together so mm-hmm. well, like the the common goal, the common artistry. That's the thing that keeps them together and helps them work together really well. But I think it's pretty glaring how different they are. And and so you're often like, if this weren't a fantastical world, then they wouldn't actually right. be able to maintain this relationship. But I, I do buy it in the context of this fantastical show. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And actually, you know, talking it out with you here a little bit, I, I feel like Midge is able to kind of break into this world, but I feel like it has a lot to do with Susie and mm-hmm. she is kind of the key to Midge being able to navigate some of this a little bit. Yeah. And it's, it's very much a pairing of Midge is the like talent or like raw talent uh, yes. so that's somewhere hidden. And then it has to be paired with experience and sort of mm-hmm. attitude and yeah. uh, th- that's the only way this works is because the two of them feed off each other. We would be remiss if we moved on without talking about Tony Shalhoub. Of course, you stopped me. I would have brought him up, but you stopped me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Kevin Pollack also, yeah. between those two guys, I mean, Tony is consistently the funniest, like, non-comedian in the show, right? I mean, he's, yeah. he's so particular and quirky. Like you would expect him to be, but really in a way that's completely different than the way he was on Monk or something, you know, which yeah, is sort of where sometime, everyone knows him from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, you're, you're being a little too Monk right now. Like, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, it's beloved obviously. So, it, and I love, he's hilarious. He's definitely one of my favorites for sure. I mean, some of my biggest laughs come from. Yeah. Tony, I, I think Moish Maisel, played by Kevin Pollock, is also very, very funny. The wives don't really, I would almost consider them like, this is going to sound terrible, but like second tier main cast, Midge, Joel, and the dads are kind of the main, and Susie are like the yeah. main cast. And then the moms are kind of second tier, you know. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that's all purposeful, basically, sure. like, because Midge is, is breaking into a man's world. And so the most, oh, like, yeah. So basically the camera focuses more on the males in the cast on purpose to, to demonstrate that. And then like uh, uh, Susie is the one who sort of quote unquote acts the most male. So she's allowed to do <laughs> yeah. what she's doing. And then if the two mothers, like they have to be there to show you, I like actually they've developed to some extent more um, Rose than I forget uh, the other mother, but um surely yeah she so rose has developed a little bit more than Shirley has but they're there to remind you what mid should be yep uh, Yep. and and what she's breaking out of so absolutely so they do a good job of that i also feel like it's it's worth mentioning that the mid-century jewish family really lends itself well to like a fascinating comedic menagerie of like conversations and scenarios it's just so interesting and I don't feel like it's inappropriate for me to remark on it like no, that. But I don't think so. It, it's just so, it's probably a stereotype, but that's all right. I, I'm sure. Yeah. And yeah. if it is, you know, I I don't know that I would know. I it just, it just feels it's 
it's hilarious. Like the the way they talk to each other and the comments and the there's just being particular. I'm sure it is a little stereotypical, but Joel Maisel is also one of my uh, favorite characters. There's a point in season one when he really wins me over. Which is fun, and, which is so funny because I mean, I don't, I it's not a spoiler because you, you brought it up. Yeah. It's in the first episode. I mean, the whole thing, that's the premise of the show. The yeah. premise of the show is that he cheats on Midge yeah. and somehow he wins you back over pretty fast. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's really good. Yeah, for sure. The show also take, does a very good job kind of choosing um, its spots to flesh out the other members of the main cast. Yeah. I think it, cause we're not always getting backstory on everyone, but you know, especially like Susie, Joel and Abe, like I was talking about a little bit, like this is a show clearly about Midge, yeah. but we do have quality scenes happening away from her with these three characters, which I think really rounds things out nicely. It's just not just like a one person show where like all of their, all of the, you know, the, the supporting cast, all of their interactions are with Midge. It's not like that. You're getting actually some really good story yeah. away from Midge. And I feel like that helps the show dramatically. No doubt. Yeah. I agree with that totally. And it's so far, I mean, like we could continue listing characters, but yeah, pretty much I everybody's mean, great. <laughs> I will, and I'll do it. Yeah, you sure. do it? I'll just, yeah I'll, go ahead. I'm just kidding. list I'm them all. I'm, I'm just... How do you feel like the story clips along? Um, it's interesting. I think this is a, like you said, character show. It's yeah. all about uh, sort of uh, bouncing or, or marinating in the character stew. And then so like we have stories that go <laughs> along with it, but it's not, about, it's not really about the story. The uh, character stew. Yeah. I don't, mar- <laughs> and you don't marinate a stew, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Marinating is for meat, I believe. And, yeah. yeah, whatever. But it just it's just kind of like it um it's all a universe has been created and then like mm-hmm. little stories pop out and, and it mm-hmm. sort of progresses over the course, but it, they've been on the same track for four seasons. Where are we trying to get? And they just kind of bounce around with that. See, and that's that yeah, that's where this is one of my like if I have a bone to pick, yeah. this is this is one of the places I feel like the story does have a tendency to drag in some places. Yes. And I will f- or you know, the viewer will find themselves on rabbit trails. Yes. You know, and sometimes, you know, seasons aren't very long and they're kind of, you know, new seasons are kind of far away. It takes like a year to get another one. Yeah. And I do feel like you'll find yourself on a rabbit trail for like half a season. Yeah. And then she'll get, you know, then she'll get back to what, you know, we feel like she should be doing, which maybe that's the problem. Maybe it's my expectations. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to one up you on this even and, ba- okay. and basically say because it's such a screwball show and so goofy, yeah. they have to like have people regress in order to play in that world so much. Like, so one of my I, I enjoyed this most recent se- season, but one mm-hmm. of my biggest beefs with this season was Midge sort of regressed. And I yeah. understand that could be explained partially but i felt like it was mostly to serve the idea that everybody has to stay pretty goofy so if people start having like success and 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 advancing we're not going to be able to be as goofy anymore so that's what i meant by chilling in this character stew like if we can't let them hop out of the bowl uh like that's going to be problematic for us i do feel like we've uh, handcuffed ourselves a little bit with the the style of show that we are producing you know we Mm. try to stay most of the way away from the the story as much as we can, but I feel like there's a good reason for, for the regression. I feel like it's more of a regrouping, oh, okay. you know, and I, and I think again, I don't want to get too much, too much into this, but I do feel like, you know, season three, she got a little ahead of herself and season, you know, it just felt like, um, no, no, well, no, it feels I'll like, give you that. Yeah. I'll give you that. Okay. I guess I might be looking ahead too much and thinking, maybe I wonder if they're going to do this over and over again. 
I feel like we're in a good spot yeah, moving okay. forward here. I feel like we're going to really break. I, I'm excited about season five, which I think is going to end up being the last season. Oh, uh, yeah. Interesting. I'm really excited about really excited about that. The only final thing I would say about the story is there's some fairly frustrating cliffhangers, like from season to season. <laughs> yeah. And sure. I, you know, just because we love referencing other episodes, you know, someday you guys will get that Cobra Kai episode and um, <laughs> frustrating cliffhangers, man. Frustrating. I think, I think they will have had it by this point. Oh, OK. All right. Last thing here. Uh, re- wanted to reference, you know, Amy Sherman Palladino is known for her zippy dialogue, quick witted characters. And you obviously can speak to this better than I can. Are we seeing some typical Amy Sherman here with, we, uh, yeah, we're definitely seeing this is her. I, I, there's not like a, re- butter. yeah, there's not like a repeat character, but gotcha. obviously like Lorelai is very from Gilmore girls is very peppy, quick witted, quick talking, optimistic. Yeah. Um, okay. and so that, you know, those are all traits that, uh, you find mm-hmm. in this show as well. And, and there's people in this show that talk and it, it reminds you of Lorelai or other characters in the show. But so, yeah, it's, it's very much her show and that makes sense, but, um, I don't mind that too much. I'm just why you watch these sorts of things. I do. Th- I think that the dialogue, because it's a character driven show, the dialogue is the feature of the show as well. It's very quick and, and well written and, and, uh, lots of, f- faux arguments or, you know, just lots of talking at the same time, talking over each other, which is yep. always entertaining. They do it really well. It, it's, it's not actually, I say talking over each other. It's not annoying or anything. It's just like that. You feel like you're on this ride sort of, um, and, and you're following along pretty well. One thing I will say I've noticed about shows like this is if we are in a conversation, like a, a quick response conversation, the characters are responding quicker than humans could possibly yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. hear what was said, think about what they're going to say, and then say it. It's just not possible for that to happen. Um, but I have noticed a lot in this in this show, they'll be ready with their retort literally as the, you know, the last syllable is being spoken by the other person. It's just like, if you focus on that, I feel like you would notice it. Otherwise, you wouldn't. <laughs> show is pretty funny in its own right but how do the stand-up portions of the show hold up to you it serves the story more than it those are the things that make me laugh like the, the jokes are not you can tell they it's just a different time you, i don't know the context i don't know the culture i don't know all these things so like it, it, it it's like dad jokes basically it's the whole interesting time. yeah it's it is really interesting because you you can tell someone wrote quality material for the show yeah but I don't feel the same way watching Miz, Midge do stand up the way I do if I sit down and watch like a Dave Chappelle special. Of course, or but it is funny you know? too. It it does the way that's written. It does make you reflect on where stand up comedy has gone. Yeah, what was acceptable. It is funny. Yeah, it is oh, yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I do, I do laugh. It's just not. It is. I don't know. It's it's threading like a perfect needle. Yeah. I, I feel like it it is is really. They found a sweet spot with because you got to see it. I feel like if the show didn't have it, it would be missing something. And I, I'll also say it's not the part that keeps me coming back to the show. No. Like it's not yeah. vital. Like I maybe thought it was at one point I would have said, gosh, if there wasn't the stand up, I don't know if I would keep going on with the show. We actually don't see a lot of stand up in the most recent season. Mm-hmm. And like 
I absolutely loved it. I loved this season. I felt like it was a really, a really strong season, still really rich and layered. And I feel like actually we were able to see a little bit more of that get fleshed out here in this most recent season because it wasn't like, you know, well, Midge has a show. Midge yeah. has a show. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, which was a lot of what season three was. So I, I feel like, yeah, it's very well done. That part is is very good, I think. Yeah. One thing I was interested in your thoughts on comedy world is dominated by men. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. as true now as it was then. Um, And this was even more Evan or seemingly Evan. And based on what we're seeing on TV here uh, in the 1950s, does the adversity Midge faces seem realistic or does it come across a little rose colored? I can answer, but I'm curious what you mean by rose colored. Like, does, does the adversity feel too easy or like easy to go. Like- yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I think so. And, uh, that might be one of my largest beefs with this show is okay. they don't do the work to explain or sort of like they don't build the world of difficulty for a female comic at the time. We don't really get much historic information or it's a little stereotypical why it would be hard for a woman. It's like, well, what well, you know, you would imagine it'd be hard for a woman in the fifties to be a comedian. Right. And you're like, yeah, right. we buy that because we imagine that would be the case, uh, but they don't do a lot of work to explain why that was the case. Or like, uh, it's just co- sort of assumed. Yeah, of course it would have been hard for a woman to be a comedian at that time. Mm-hmm. And so Midge is sort of overcoming something that we're not, we're not exactly sure what she's overcoming. It's just that she's overcoming what you would, you would expect her to have to overcome at that time. And that feels a little unfair to me. I'd lo- I, I just want to dig into that a little bit more. And uh, yeah. why is that the case? Uh, and then there's also like people on the show who are female comedians who are big stars and like they've already done mm-hmm. it. So I'm, I'm just not sure exactly what barrier she's breaking down with this. They, they have mixed messages of who she's trying to be. Sometimes she's yeah. trying to be uh, Lenny Bruce. And Lenny that's, Bruce. The, that's the difficult part is that she's trying to be Lenny Bruce. But not really a female. Yeah, I, it's just, yeah. I feel like Sophie Lennon, who's played by Jane Lynch in the show, is. You remember your, who she is in the show? <laughs> we cut that from the other episode. Oh, so shoot. No, nobody's going to get it. Dang it. <laughs> no one's going to know what you're talking about. <laughs> I feel like. Are we getting into spoilers too much? I, I feel like I'd never know where the line is. Do I know where the line is? Well, nobody's complained to us yet. So. If I cross the line, you stop me? No. I'll probably jump over there. So there's, there's a, there's a comic in the show and um, she's played by Jane Lynn. So she's a, she's a female comic. I feel like what the show is saying that if a, you know, if a woman's going to be successful in this world, she's got to play a character. And I think, I really feel like they're drawing a straight line between Mm -hmm. Sophie Lennon and like a Lucille Ball, you know, like, yes, this is what women can do. This is the place that we've allowed women to be successful. And you're Lenny Bruce. That's a comics comic. And it's like, well, Women can't do this. This is like if you're a man and you're really good, you get to be Lenny Bruce. And there's something about Midge's entrance into this scene that just it feel it almost feels meteoric to me, even though they do kind of drag on, um, not not drag on in a bad way. But like there is like she does a lot of smaller, you know, smaller shows. And I love her character. But yes, she shows up and she almost feels like a savant because she, yeah. she just she shows up and starts kicking butt. Yep. And, you know, there's a few hiccups along the way, but for the most part, she breaks into the comedy scene fairly easily. Yes. And I think we're supposed to believe, well, Susie, Susie, you know, that's how she's able to (laughs) like Susie's the the key here. Yeah. Susie, you know, talks like a man. Everyone. I don't know how many times she's been called a man in the show. Yeah. 
tons, tons of times. Yeah. But Susie is the X factor. This is how they were able to make it work. Susie knows the world. She knows what it takes. She knows, you know, she identifies Midge. She find, yeah. you know, she discovers Midge. It just feels like a, what's, what's the word? Uh, there's a word for a, like a, you get the thing, you get exactly what you need when you need it. It's like a do sex machina. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So Susie just feels like that. Like she is the skeleton key for the entrance into this world. Like I'm sure it was pretty awful for a woman trying to, no doubt. you know, yeah. do anything like this. So, and to be clear, what I, what I'm trying to say is not that it was, wasn't hard for a woman at the time. I'm saying, like, I'd like to know why, but also, yeah. I really feel like the show has a problem with mixed messages of, yeah. Uh, and here's one of my biggest ones. It is that it's almost exactly what you just said, but basically, like, Midge is trying to be the Lenny Bruce of whatever, you know, she's all, she's trying to become the comics comic as a female, and, you know, everything you mm-hmm. said about, I think everything you said about Jane Lynch is correct. Yeah. The thing is... Lenny Bruce has clearly like they even have done the work to say Lenny Bruce has given up almost everything for success in this area. And Midge Mm -hmm. has given up hardly anything at all. Sure. And that's very problematic for me because if the whole point is that she's pursuing this with everything she has and like this is her calling and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. What has she given up? She's not given up anything, which is difficult from a story perspective. I think it's not, it's hard to have a hero's journey when they don't have to sacrifice anything. I mean, even just sitting here reflecting on it, I'm not sure exactly what she's given up except her marriage that she didn't end up wanting to be back in anyway. So it's like, you know, I it's, it's that part is difficult for me to digest. I don't know why it always ends up being that I really like a show. And then I just end up finding everything bad about it on this podcast. Cause you're all deconstructionist. I, that's why <laughs> good. Oh, Siri. Good one. What's Siri doing over there? Hmm? Know, she couldn't hear what I said. She wanted, I would like to dig a little deeper here and maybe even, I, I don't know how this is going to, this might fall flat, but does this show have a healthy portrayal of women, you know, kind of on the whole? I mean, even set Midge aside, even though I'm sure we'll keep referencing Midge. How does it address some of the more toxic sides of the 1950s? Let me get us rolling here because there's yeah, one yeah, yeah. there's one scene and it happens pretty early on. This really snaps you into, OK, this is the kind of world they live in. And it's it's not really a spoiler, but it, it's. It's when Midge goes to tell her parents that Joel is leaving her. And the first question out of their mouth is, what did you do? Yeah. And I don't know why. And maybe it didn't really register with me the first time I watched this, but I watched it again recently. And that really kind of knocks the air out of you. And I think the whole idea in the show, like the perfect life, the first episode, we see her quote unquote perfect life. And I feel and I feel like, you know, we get a little bit of this from her dad and mom after she breaks the news, but it's, you know, find a man, make sure he's good, strong, confident provider, and then do whatever you have to do to keep him. Yeah. And the story kind of moves on from Joel being the one that really screwed things up. You know, he's the, he's the one that yeah. cheated on Midge and left. So I feel like that is one way uh, in which you at least know what the stakes are. I think it has a good job at least setting the stage for how much of a challenge it's going to be for her to, you know, pursue other things and and pursue uh, some of these lifestyles that um, she's interested in. The the way I do really like that the show portrays 
women is that in not so much with Midge or Susie because they're sort of the extreme characters and, and well, the lead characters, but also the extreme characters about bucking trends of the time. Some of yeah. the, some of the other people I think do a really interesting job. Uh, I'm thinking of like Rose who they do an interesting job of you sort of see behind the scenes, like here's how I'm supposed to act. I am acting right. how I'm supposed to act. I'm also yes. bucking my responsibilities in these three ways. And I'm like, I'm, I'm having my own identity in these three ways. And it's sort of hidden. And I imagine all I can do is imagine, but I imagine that is sort of how it would have had, to, would have had to be at the time. It sort of reminds me of some of my, like my grandmother. So, 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 so what Siri, what the, I don't <laughs> get together. I, I'm not hitting any buttons. Over. I'm just gesticulating wildly. Uh, it, it reminds me of my grandmother and how, you know, probably she, she did what she was supposed to do, but she was also a very strong woman. And that's fun for me to imagine that like mm-hmm. other people may not have told the stories that she was like bucking these trends, but she probably was. Yeah. I do think some of the things we see Midge do like, you know, they're, we see a lot of toxic interactions with with men and, and some of these different establishments um, that they find themselves in. And, you know, I think I would like to think, you know, if a man in the 1950s was going to say rude things to a woman like that, the woman in question, instead of letting those comments make her feel small, would have the confidence and wit to, you know, fire right back and turn the tables. It just it feels almost a little revisionist history yeah, yeah, yeah. the way yeah. she's able to do that so confidently. So I just don't know how frequent something like well, that. I, she's probably, ne- she's it, never afraid. And I, I bet, never afraid. I, I bet, I bet fear would have been a pretty prominent emotion yeah. at that time for someone like this. And so I give you that for sure. Yeah. Especially in like the male dominated world. Like we yeah. spend a lot of time in the early seasons in the, in these clubs, in these, you know, establishments. So my point is, I feel like, Midge seems like a bit of collective female retribution, which I'm like, I'm all in favor of, but yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think the idea of like a female comic, the idea that she could be funnier than every other male around, but have to work twice as hard to get like their table scraps is crazy to me for a minute. Think about all the female comics that we were deprived of based on this like barrier to entry. You know what I'm saying? Like far crazier being alive in that time and being a woman and being funny for heaven's sakes and not being able to do what you want to do, not being able to pursue your dreams based on like these barriers. Yeah, for sure. And they also haven't done much with this yet. Well, they've done a little bit of it, but they haven't really run with it yet, but it is sort of fun to see the, uh, in some context, Midge goes into, she'll really resonate with the female females in the audience and sort of like this sort right. of collective energy that could be created and, and leading a, a revolt sort of idea uh, in some of these contexts where they feel seen, they feel like yeah. someone's speaking to them. Um, that's yeah. sort of fun to imagine, which I don't imagine happened very often back then either. Sure. Yeah. I think the only other thing I would add is that I, my favorite relationship is midge and lenny bruce Mm. and i like everything about that and it's probably what keeps me coming back is this sort of mentorship slash uh there's just it has everything in it It has sexual tension it has mentorship it has you know a hundred different things within this relationship i'm just not sure how i feel about i'm never sure how i feel about basically taking one because Midge is not a real person and never was a real person. Although I think I've read that she's supposed to be sort of modeled after jo- Joan Rivers a little bit, but not specifically or 
um, explicitly. And then you pull in this actual character into a real a, person. Yeah. Into a, into a, yeah, yeah. A real person into a fictional world. Yeah. That doesn't always work for me because I, you know, I think Lenny Bruce is a really interesting historical figure. <laughs> and so then, then you're all, t- then you don't know what's real. It makes it weird, but I do. That is my, I, it, I'm sort of talking out of both sides of my mouth because that is my favorite. Yeah. Relationship. No, I, I think maybe why it worked for me is I, was not familiar with Lenny Bruce mm-hmm. when I started watching the show. And I, gosh, I love the way they meet. I do. I love their relationship also. And I, if I thought about it long enough, I might end up agreeing with you that their relationship is, is so great. I love, I really feel like he thinks she's better than him. Yes. And, I, yeah. and I, and I think, I, I don't know. I think it's so hard for him. Yeah. I got to stop because we're going to, I'm going to end up getting way too into spoiler stuff here, but I I do feel like it just kills him to see her in some situations, not live up to her potential. I also think he, I I think he is the one that sees the world as it should be. He thinks, I don't think it necessarily has to be that he thinks she's better. He may think that, but I think he at least thinks she's as good as me. And he realizes that she doesn't get the same shot as he did. But that's mm-hmm. also full of tension because he didn't, qu- to do what they're doing, he's having to blaze a trail. Like, nobody got the same shot as mm-hmm. he did. He's getting arrested yeah. all the time. And, like, all you know, all that stuff's actually real. So, he's the one that sees the world as it should be and is pushing for that to be the case, which is, yeah, it's fine. All right. Anthony. Yes. We're going to move on to the portion of the show where we pitch each other a new show that we should be watching. Okay. Would you like me to you go first? To roll there? Yeah, why not? Okay. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to go out on a limb and uh, recommend a new almost brand new show. Our Flag Means Death. It's a new show on HBO. Mm-hmm. Um now listen, of course, I think I'm just obsessed with Taika. <laughs> 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 yeah, we are. <laughs> yeah. So Tyka's in this show. Um uh-huh. but okay, so essentially this uh without spoiling much, this it, it barely matters if I spoiled it cuz it's not a very plot driven show. It's it's all comedy, but it's hilarious. Okay. And there's some sort of like dark Brit I don't know what you call European humor that's just like uh, I mean it really does honestly remind me of Monty Python to some extent. Yeah, Monty but Python. That's the Sure. That's like Absolutely. When you were describing the show to me earlier, we've talked about this. That's what I was thinking. of. Well, but this is set up more as like there is a narrative underneath it that holds the whole thing up. And it's not like a sketch show, but that's it's not like a a bunch of sketches put together for. okay, Yeah. But but the the tone is certainly Monty Python esque. And so it's very Taika White TT esque. And also, I think it's pronounced Reese Darby. He was in Flight of the Concords. It's either Reese or Rice. It's R H Y S. But anyway, he was in Flight of the Concord. Riz. Riz. No, I don't think it's Riz. Uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name. But anyway, he is. He's the lead of this show, and I've seen him in other things. He's in a Yes Man. Also, I think he's Jim Carrey's boss in Yes Man. Um, okay. Anyway, I love his humor as well. And basically, a lot of the show is is Reese and Tyka bouncing off each other. They have very similar. They have similar tones, but literally everybody in the show is hilarious. They've got one-liners all through. Steed is the main character, and he's a wealthy like landowner, and 
he ends up deciding he wants to start his own pirate ship instead of, so he sells some of his stuff and then buys a pirate ship and then hires a bunch of pirates. <laughs> so he's pirating and he's basically like, because he's like a landowner, he's basically like the equivalent of like a woke pirate. So he's always asking his crew, like how they felt about a certain situation. Like how'd you guys oh, feel about like, so all these jokes, <laughs> <laughs> it's so, I mean, I uh, was laughing sort of nonstop. And it, I think part of the reason I want to push this show so hard is because it's a completely new idea. It's th- Those are always hard, like completely new idea. Yeah. Um, but I, I really like almost everybody in the show. And it's it's very funny. And also, it's just a lot of laughs. It's just that that's all. You don't look for anything else in the show. You don't want a good story that carries on and makes it. This is the show is a lot of laughs. That It's, it's okay. pretty awesome. I'm down with that. Okay. What do you got for me? Well, the show that I will be pitching is Sons of Anarchy. Mm. It's on it. Well, it was, it was on FX. It's basically, it follows this biker, this motorcycle club, a biker gang. And it is basically what like really a lot of similarities to like uh, the Sopranos or like a, a mobster movie, like a motorcycle club is really assembled uh, similarly to like La Cosa Nostra or mm-hmm. a mob, a mob family. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're absolutely criminals, but they do some, you know, they yeah. have legal businesses. Then it's, you know, it's their cover, but this show is wild. The creator, Kurt Sutter, he modeled the motorcycle gang after hell's angels, which is a very mm-hmm. real motorcycle club. Sure. And I mean, you hear about their leaders, getting imprisoned the same way that the mob is in the news. I mean, it's the same, it's the same type deal, but I mean, it, yeah, it would, it would definitely remind you of like that, you know, the, the criminal anti-hero, but I mean, I don't really know if they're working, working for like, they're doing it for good reasons. I mean, they're, they're absolutely criminals. So I don't, I don't know. It's uh it's very, very good though. It's like brotherhood, the, the uniting yeah. tone behind the show or, Sure. And also, yeah, I mean, what, a, what's it like? What shows it like? I mean, you said Sopranos. Is it like Sopranos or is it just like like Sopranos in the way that you said it was like Sopranos? So, no, no, no. It's it's like Sopranos in the way that like the family works. Yeah. Like a motorcycle club is like a is like a crime family, yeah. really. I mean, I, I feel like it. Have you seen any of Kurt Sutter's other shows? Did you ever watch Shield? Yes. I think it was The, the Shield. The Shield, yeah. With the. Uh, Oh, I yeah, love, he's like a that show's awesome. Michael Chiklis, and he's like a dirty cop. Yeah, yeah. So it feels like that. It, has, it just is very, it's very edgy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really good. Also, Charlie Hunnam is fantastic. He's the lead. Ron Perlman yeah. is a great, um, great character in the show. And Taylor Sheridan's in the first season <clears throat> or two, I think. So, oh, he is like as an actor. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Well. Any quick hits? What are you watching right now? I do. Uh, <clears throat> I have a couple quick hits. Uh, now, I I went on a dark path this week, apparently, as I was thinking about like the Good things night. that I watched on. So the first thing I want to talk about is I brought up to you at some point that w- maybe one of us needed to check out Euphoria, because what I read about Euphoria is that it was the second most watched show on HBO of all time behind. That's wild. It's crazy. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Behind Game of Thrones. So yeah. I'm like, if we're going to have a podcast about TV shows. I have a little bit to report to you and it's, <laughs> it is Tell a, me. it's a wild, wild, wild ride. Goodness I gracious. don't hate it. I probably will not watch any more of it. I, I don't know if okay. I can. 
it is incredibly, incredibly graphic sexually. Yeah. Um, not in at all. Now I'm like torn about so many of these things because it's incredibly graphic and not in an, like the sex in the show is never, there's a lot of sex in the show. It's never fun. Like it, like it's, it's always somewhat disturbing, which for me is like, actually is, is what I would choose in a show if it's trying to make a point, like what, what is the overall lesson we're trying to learn or the point where like, that's okay. So that's my th- sort th- of show. This isn't supposed to be like a, like these scenes aren't supposed to be like steamy or like no. sexy for, to, for like the, you know, the sex appeal of the show. It's really more like raw and uncomfortable. Exactly. Yeah. And so like okay. that, that, uh, in a lighter way, that would actually be my preference. It serves the plot, blah, blah, blah. You're not, you're not sitting around enjoying yourself. You're, you're this, the, yeah, this is, just, you really gotta <laughs> walk yeah. on a fine line here, but yeah, I, gotcha. I know, I know, I, I know. Gotcha. but anyway, but this one is like, I, it's so dark. I can't handle it. And for me to say that, okay. it's insane. Anyway, what I will say is the reason I don't feel like I can watch it anymore is because I imagine my children growing up in this sort oh, of geez. society that this, this lays out. I'm out. Yeah. Okay, but I think it's somewhat truthful and I think it's dealing with so many important issues and so many things that kids like nowadays are facing. It's just for me at this particular time, it gives me way too much anxiety to think about growing up in that sort of world. And I don't like, obviously this is, it's a bunch of characters that are the most extreme example of every little situation. The the lead character is a drug addict and like a 16 or 17 year old drug addict. And, uh, you know, then you have like one of every little problem that could possibly be the case. And somehow they all go to the same high school. So it's obviously an extreme cultural melting pot of things. But it, mm. it is, I think, dealing with some important issues. I'm not sure if I'll be able to pick it up or not. What I thought I was going to say is this show's so silly. I don't know why anybody watches it. And now I'm like, I totally understand why people watch it. It's incredible. Okay. Like I, I almost wouldn't recommend you even try because it's so graphic. But mm. I don't think it's a piece of garbage. I actually think it's a very interesting piece of work. And I just, uh, and then also Zendaya is incredible, incredible in the show. I, she is my respect for her went, well, from, she's good. I mean, yeah, I know she's, she's good, but she's unbelievable in the show. So, okay. I mean, that's what I have to say about that. My second quick, quick hit is I started watching the Hillsong documentary, which obviously has, Oh yeah. Whew, is it, it crazy, man? It's crazy, man. We should probably watch this and then do an episode on it. <laughs> Oh, oh, we could do that. Yeah. Okay. Well, what are your quick hits? What have you been watching? Oh, I have quick hits too. I totally forgot. I started bad vegan, which had had at the time, like a 100% on rotten tomatoes and it was getting all this buzz. I was like, I'll check it out. I don't like true crime stuff. Yeah. I don't like it. It's like documentary style. You're getting all these interviews. If I'm going to watch a documentary and I I said this to you or a docu-series. Yes. I want to be learning something or at least like have it be about something important, you know, that happened in history or, you know, I don't want just the salaciousness of these crimes. It just feels so gross to me. Yeah. And they get you on something you're not at all interested in, but they pull you in because of the drama of it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't so like, it's, I, so you're saying it's, it's 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 very like making a murderer slash Tiger King slash yeah. yeah yeah that's your thing. You might like it. It's not for me. Yeah, I'm not gonna keep watching it. Um, I watched the first episode of the Halo show. Oh. I will say it's a lot like the game. So oh, that being said, I don't know 
how well it's going to continue to translate to TV. I will say there were a couple parts that were like, ooh, that's strange. But I will I will admit those parts were very much like the game. So, you know, I just I don't know. It just it's it was a very weird sensation for me. I'm going to keep watching. I've heard that the story is actually really good on, on oh, the show, but cool. But um, I'm trying. See, yeah, I'm the, so, like I played the game in college, obviously, and I'm like trying to imagine what. Although I, I'm sorry, I mostly did multiplayer like battling. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah that's I, what everyone. But I hardly ever played the story. So maybe, but there wasn't there wasn't much of a either. story. Okay. Because there was, and and as they made more, there was more. The stories got better, but. When you hear people say, yeah, we played Halo, everyone was playing multiplayer. Yeah, yeah. And so that, that's why I'm having and, a hard time imagining what the story yeah. is in this show. Yeah, I feel like they made they wrote a story for TV based on the game. And yeah, I think it'll be I think it'll be good. I think there will be parts will be like, oh, maybe should have left that in the game. But <laughs> I don't know. There was at least one or two parts seeing some of the characters. I was like, I, I just didn't expect it. Yeah. So. Anyway, I think I think it'll be okay. I don't know if it'll be great, but I'll keep watching it. Cool. So check it out, if, especially if you play the game. I would check it out. Paramount Plus. All right, man. Yeah, that's our episode. Long one. Thanks for thanks for you. Got yeah, this I, one. I got this one. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. got it. You're, well, you I, we had a long one last week too. So you have a, you have a long one to edit too. episode and you haven't already please take a minute to rate and review our podcast we would really appreciate it also hit that subscribe button so you are notified the minute we release new content lastly the good show facebook group is up and running we would love to chat with you and hear your opinions on our episodes again thank you for joining us and we'll see you next time